G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. So I went in there and it was full of Christian songs and Christian literature and books and Bibles and this little woman at the counter called me over. She says, come over here, dear, come over here. So I went over there and she put her hand on top of my hand and I felt like a 20 kilo rock and I just thought, I can't move my hand. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today's guest is living proof that you can't judge a book by its cover. Margaret Zimmerman is a wonderful Christian lady who loves the Lord. And if you met her on the street, you'd probably assume that life had always been that way for her. However, that has definitely not been the case. It's hard to believe that at one point in her life, she was a practicing witch, a drug addict, and had spent three years in jail for robbery. How did this miraculous change come about in Margaret's life? Well, we'll hear her story today as she has a chat with Shelley Scowen. Let's talk a little bit about your earlier life. You've had quite the journey, the ups and downs and the twists and turns. As you describe it, BCAD, how does that work? Um, before Christ and after death, the death of my old self and my old life and starting to live a life in the kingdom of God with Jesus leading me. And it really was a complete 180 degree turn. It was a, a complete change of life. You you did have to die to self and uh, became a new person. Talk to us a bit about what you were like before you knew God. Okay, um, I lived in, uh, I still do, I live in Moella and my mother became ill and my father died early when I was nine. I am 56 years old and... When my mother became crippled, she'd had five hip replacements and she had two steel hips put in, two plastic hips re-put in, and one of the plastic ones didn't work, so they had to uh, replace that for over a period of my teenage years, my early teenage years. And the seat of business had already taken hold of my heart when I was nine, when my father died. So I was really guided by the spirit of rebellion at that age and started to rebel against my mother and her wonderful husband, my stepdad. And so I became involved in um, smoking dope and um, started to take barbiturates. And um, then that led to uh, heavier drugs and progressing on to just becoming involved with heroin and at the age of about 17, 18, uh, and then going on to start to sell drugs. And because I wasn't selling as much as I was using, I was owing the providers of the heroin, I was owing them money. So I was involved and took part in and coordinated two armed holdups in Wyala, 18 months apart, mm. and wasn't caught. Um, oh, wow. until I was 19 and I was heavily uh, pregnant with a child and had just given birth and he was three months old when I was arrested for those crimes 
and immediately went to jail and spent uh, three years in prison uh, for those crimes. I was sentenced to eight years, but um, there's a story in there. And um, Well, tell us the story. Well, the story was that I didn't like being in jail because um, having previously been in Wyala before I was arrested, I was involved with Richcraft and within Richcraft and the Dominion of Darkness, um, there are lots of people operating to cause terrible things on the earth and to other people. And I've become involved in that and was a very angry young teenager. And there were, in Moyala, two witches' covens in the 70s, and there was also some warlocks that used to meet and just send curses out, as we do now as Christians pray. We pray fervently. We pray with fervor. And the the prayers of um, a good, righteous man uh, bring the favor of God. But in those times, I didn't know God, and... In jail, I wasn't, um, I didn't see Satan, I didn't hear from him, I wasn't tortured by him, he just didn't, I couldn't be used by him because I was in his place. I was in a place of deep darkness and also in prison. So I thought, I don't want to be in here. And there was a nun that used to come around, a beautiful woman of God who loved the kingdom and loved Jesus, and she used to come into the prison once a week. And she used to sing and play her guitar and uh, a lot of the prisoners would go and sit and listen to her playing. But I lingered at the back. I was just terrified because I was serving Satan and I didn't want to be involved, but I couldn't help myself because the Holy Spirit had been calling me and was speaking to me to be part of those that group and to listen and to get my soul healed. Mm. So um, I did my time a little bit more courteously to the prison officers and wasn't very mouthy and just started to um, repent in a, in a strange way because I wanted to get back into society. Applied for parole three times and on the third occasion, um, I believe the Lord was able to release me through the parole board. Wow. Yeah. So you were a Christian by this time then? I hadn't given my heart fully. I had tried to go to church a few times didn't like taking the um, bread and wine communion. I felt terrible. I felt like I was a bit of a cheat on Satan. Uh, but I wanted a good life. I wanted when I go back to the community never ever to come back to jail. And God knew that. He knew my heart. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I was in there for three years. I was released in June of 1981. And in July... The 31st of July, at, on Friday at 2 o'clock, um, Jesus Christ walked into my life fully, fully converted, led to the Lord by an 84-year-old woman in a Christian bookshop on my knees, crying and weeping, and the Holy Spirit just on me and changing my heart and renewing my whole life and bringing me into the kingdom of God. So I was truly delivered that day. Wow. An amazing deliverance, like you say, because you were, I guess, in the grip of Satan. You said when you were taking communion or you didn't really want to take communion in jail because you felt that you didn't want to cheat on Satan. You obviously felt a real loyalty there. How did you even come to that that spot? What was it that drew you to witchcraft and Satanism? 
Well, my hurts, the seat of my anger. Everybody has, before they're born again, they have a seat of anger. And we need to, when we become a Christian, we need to find, we need to seek the Holy Spirit and seek the Holy Spirit and ask God, what is my seat of anger? And he will show you exactly in your childhood where that seat of anger was planted. And I, during the times that I did go to the services, and the priest would say, this is the body of Christ, and he would hold up the crisp bread, and he would say, this is the wine, this is the blood of Christ, and this will set you free. When they brought it towards me, I was so intoxicated with demons that I I put the, the bread in my mouth, but in actual fact, I thought it tasted like flesh, like the flesh of Jesus, and I was not really sure about all that, but I pressed through God in my heart, pressed through my dad as well, my dad that died. Uh, he was a Christian, and I never knew it until later on in my walk with God. I found a Bible. It was the only thing I found or was given to me of my father's, and he had a scripture in there and a little tiny piece of paper, and it said um, it was uh, John fourteen six. It says, um, I am the truth, the life, and the way. No man comes to the Father except through me, says Jesus. Um, so I knew then at that time that that's what God was doing, but I didn't live it out in my life because I didn't have Jesus in my heart. I didn't have the Holy Spirit at that time. So it was after jail that when God really, really started to pour his life out onto me and his spirit into me. Mm. It's amazing how God used that time in jail for his purposes, where I guess you were probably in jail thinking it was such a terrible thing happening to you. You can see now that's where God really started to get a hold of your life. Amen. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. What was going on with your little boy then? If he was three months old when you were arrested, who cared for him in that time? Well, um, the father of my child, who is a very good friend now, uh, he and I... um, both went to jail. He was arrested for uh, accessory to the fact of just knowing I had done these crimes but not having participated in them. He was sentenced to three years. I was sentenced to eight. And um, my little boy was adopted by his... Sorry, was fostered by his parents. Uh, he was from a family of nine. And the uh, parents took the young baby uh, and looked after him from the age of three months until he was three and a half years old. He was the most beautiful boy. He was in a beautiful Christian home. Um, And even as a non-Christian, I thought that was amazing. I thought that was great. At least he's going to be looked after and people will be good to him because I knew my life was ruined and I knew my life couldn't get any worse. Mm. And I didn't even know how to look after myself. So how could I look after a little child? So God was even looking after that little man at that time. And you could obviously see that there was something different about that Christian family as well. Oh, amen. Absolutely. They were really, really beautiful. And it was just a really another beautiful part of that, that when we came out, um, my then-time boyfriend, the father of the child, and I met. We were going to try and make a life of uh, our life together with the little boy. And we came out and we went to the house. We were in the biker scene. We were into drugs. We'd been in jail. And we went to this beautiful Christian home and they had the little boy for three years. And the lady was standing at the sink when we'd made a decision. We had uh, tried to 
um, we go and see the boy every week. They allowed us and they knew that we may take the little child back and they had been praying and asking God that, you know, whatever it would be, would be, but they would love to have the child. So my boyfriend and myself, um, we've been together previously for six years. Uh, we both decided that we would adopt him if the adoption uh, authorities would make sure that they would be the family that would adopt him. Yeah. And they, um, so we went round there and she was standing by the sink waiting for the decision and we said um, to her, we said her name and then we said, we've decided that we would just be so thankful if you could adopt our child. And she just fell down on her knees by the kitchen sink and she just wept and cried and said, thank you and thank you and thank you. She was wow. overwhelmed. She just thought that that day she would have to give up her little man. Yeah. So that was really precious because God really had called us to do that and I've never gone through life with the knapsack on my back saying that I'm a bad person because I had adopted my child. No. I've never felt guilt or remorse for that. I've felt that that was totally totally God's will mm. to, to have that uh, part of my life and have it as part of a beautiful testimony. Yeah, and as you say, you can see now that you weren't really in a great place to be looking after a young child and the challenges that they bring. And this other family, it sounds like they were just wonderful uh, for this little boy. And you can tell that the, the mother's heart, I think it would be hard for any mother to give up a child, even knowing that the child wasn't theirs and that it was just for foster. I think uh, any for anyone, it would be very hard to give up a child like that. So it takes a, a big shout out to foster parents right now. It takes an amazing heart for those oh, people absolutely. to do what they do. But yeah. isn't it lovely that this one ended up taking on your child? You must be so grateful to her as well. I, I am forever grateful and I always often... In my prayers, give thanks to God, Father God, Father, amazing God, that he, I thank him for their family, I thank him for their children and that um, and my son, that is their son, uh, my that they have looked after him and they've raised him and he became a youth pastor and he spent um, 10, 15 years in youth ministry and was in a band and I... If he's listening, I would just love him to know that um, I've loved him all the years and I would, if I met him, I would ask for his forgiveness that he wasn't part of my life and that he would be more than welcome to, to be part of my life if he chose. Mm. Um, and I'd spoken to the mother for the first 10 to 11 years of his life. Uh, he's in his 30s now and he's a wonderful man and I may meet him one day. I have met him once, but I would like to meet him one day if he wants to. So, but, yeah, I'll leave that with him. Yeah. Well, we don't know if he's listening today, but you never know. You're listening to The Story. Today, Shelley Scowan is having a chat with Margaret Zimmerman from Wyala, South Australia. And as we just heard, she is hopeful that one day she'll be reunited with her son. We pray that that will take place in the not-too-distant future. Next, we're going to hear about the day she reluctantly went into a Christian bookstore and her life would never be the same. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. 
You're listening to The Story. Today, Shelley Scowen is having a chat with Margaret Zimmerman from Wyala, South Australia, and we're hearing her amazing life journey. We've heard how at one point in her life she was a practising witch, a drug addict, and had spent three years in jail for robbery. Next, we'll hear how her life has changed after going from darkness to light. So tell us, Margaret, what is life like now that you belong to Christ, you belong to Jesus rather than belonging to Satan? Well, my life is um, amazing. Every day is just, uh, there are trials, but you look and walk through them because you know every step of every minute you are surrounded and guided and kept by the Holy Spirit. And as you read the Word of God, then everything in your heart starts to show you the light that is in your spirit and it shows you the way and you are led every day. You commit yourself to prayer. You meet with the Father and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and you're able to get through that one day. And Mm. each day becomes an adventure, even in a trial, and you will find a way through because God is always leading the way. He is the way. And so my life has changed and... God led me into a beautiful church at in Wyala, Bethel Christian Centre. And one of the strange things when I did become a Christian was that on the way down to the Christian bookshop, my friend who'd led me to want to come to the Christian bookshop, a best friend of mine, and he said, oh, he became a Christian and he kept coming around to my house and he was saying, come to church, come to church and be part of that. So I would hide in the house and I would not wanted to see him and then uh, I decided oh well I'll, I'll you know I'll be his friend still so you know it doesn't matter if he's you know that God person or he's got that Bible thing under his arm I'll just go and we'll be friends and he said I'll oh, come down to the Christian bookshop I'm going down there and I thought oh no these Christians they've even got bookshops you know <laughs> so I got down there and I was sitting out the front and I was having smoke and the he said oh, I'm going inside and I said well I'm not <laughs> he said, oh, come on, come on, just have a look. So I went in there and it was full of Christian songs and Christian literature and books and Bibles. And this little woman at the counter called me over. She said, come over here, dear, come over here. So I went over there and she put her hand. I had my hand on the on the counter and she put her hand on top of my hand and it felt like a 20-kilo rock. And I just thought, I can't move my hand. And she just spoke and the anointing of God was on her and she just spoke into my life and said, you need to give your life to Christ today. You can't leave this shop unless you give your life to Christ because Satan will kill you. He will get a car and he will run you over because you are in God's shop right now. And I took that literally and I went out the back and she, I fell on my knees because she had the power of God on her and I, uh, she led in the sinner's prayer. I said that. And then I just wept for two and a half hours and my friend was in the shop and he'd closed the shop, he'd done the till for her, he'd set everything in bags and I didn't even know this until we were walking home. <laughs> and um, but since that day, that was July the 31st, 1981, at two o'clock on a Friday and we were right there through till six o'clock at night because I had been, she'd been praying for me. And then I went to Bethel with him and I was baptised in um, water and uh, baptised, I'd I went and told my mum and she was amazed, amazed, amazed. She was a Welsh lady and she did love Jesus, but she didn't know him through his spirit. 
So I asked her if she'd come to church with me and she couldn't wait to get there. And she was just amazed with the change in my life because I stopped being aggressive, I stopped smoking, I stopped lying, I stopped sexual activity, I stopped. God just took all them things away from me and delivered me and just turned my face towards the kingdom of God and the light that came from there. Talk about freedom, hey? I was, I was. I was just, I was totally set free. The truth sets you free. Mm. The truth, and Jesus is the truth, and he sets us free. An amazing conversion there, Margaret, and that was day one of your brand new life, wasn't it? The the freedom that you experienced. Yes, yes, that was really, and it's still fresh to me now as it was the day that that happened, and every day has been amazing that God has shown me the way, and I went to the Bethel Christian Centre, and I uh, became a member of the church body there, and um, that was the building that we worshipped at, the church there. And from there, I baptised in water and filled with the Holy Spirit, and my mum was converted, and she came along because she was just gobsmacked and amazed and filled with joy and filled with the Spirit of God and became a Christian. She loved God her li- all her life, but she saw the change in me, which was dramatic she couldn't believe it she thought I was on another type of drug and that soon I'd be off it and then I wouldn't be like I was but it went on for the next 20 years and mum and I became friends we weren't uh, very good friends but we went every Sunday because my mum was crippled and in a wheelchair I would um, get a trailer and uh, put her wheelchair on the trailer and take her to fellowship and my best friend would come and we would both go, Joe and I and my mum and then my dad, he was 69 and he gave his life to Christ and he read the word. He'd never read the word of God in his whole life and he read the word of God every day when I went round to see them or visited during the week for the next uh, 10, 15 years. He was always reading the word of God. He was saying, I didn't realise this was such great stuff in this Bible. You know, this is great. This gives me a really great feeling. And I said, yeah, it's called life, Dad. Dad, it's called real life. Jesus is the life, the way and the truth. Well, time has gotten the better of us, but it's been wonderful chatting with you, Margaret. Such an amazing story of how God has led you back to himself after you tried to run away. But uh, here you are back in his fold and ministering to others and seeing a lot of fruit as well. Thanks so much for having a chat with us this morning, Margaret. Okay, thank you. God bless everybody that's listening and God bless you, Shelley. That was Shelley Scowan chatting with Margaret Zimmerman from Waiala, South Australia. And it was great to hear about the awesome transformation that took place in her life and also in the lives of members of her family. Remarkable. The Bible tells us that at one point in King David's life, he prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Well, it's certainly clear that Margaret has a new heart and her life has been renewed. And this can happen in your life as well. If you're listening today and want the same kind of transformation, please give us a call. We'd love to talk and pray with you about a new life in Christ. Our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. We'd love to have a chat with you at one 800 772 936. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I remember one night I got up and I ran into my daughter's room and picked her up because she'd just been blown up and I could smell the explosion, I could see the smoke. 
I carried her into my bedroom and, and started bandaging up her arm to stop the bleeding. And I was always sort of woken up at this point because my daughter's screaming. And Zoe's saying, put her down. And I'm saying, no, no, she'll be okay, she'll be okay. i just got to stop the bleeding. And then I'd sort of come to and realise that I'm holding my daughter and there's nothing wrong with her. Andy Cullen is a veteran of 17 years' service in the Australian Army. After he retired, he was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and his life gradually began to deteriorate. His wife Zoe was left to pick up the pieces of their broken family. Andy and Zoe will share how God brought healing to their lives. Next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.